Sometimes when parents are getting ready to let one of their kids take the car out by themselves for the first time, they pepper the child with last second instructions. As the child who just got her driver's license heads down the driveway, the parent will stand in the doorway and say, remember to keep your eyes on the road, no texting, make sure no one is running a red light before you pull into an intersection, wear your seatbelt. Sometimes the Apostle Paul can sound like that, and today on Groundwork, we'll look at passages in Ephesians where Paul gives a lot of advice very quickly. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney. And I'm Scott Jose. And Daryl, this is now program four of a planned six-part series on Paul's letter to the Ephesians. So we've gone through the first three chapters, and in this program, we're going to go through a good chunk of four and the first part of five. There are six chapters in Ephesians. So today we'll be in four and five, and then um, we'll look at more of five in the next program and six in the final one. But these uh, verses that we're going to look at today, I think it's fair to say, Daryl, these were very challenging verses for the Ephesians 2,000 years ago, but I think we should see them as challenging for us in the 21st century, too. Paul is framing them, understanding their identity in God first and God's plan to include them in the family Mm -hmm. of God. And now because you have this identity, you live a certain way, and he's going to give kind of a survey course, if you will, on the things that need to happen. Um, Because, I mean, as he wraps up the letter, he's not going to go into great detail. He's just going to nail a few things and to make sure that they understand this is how we now live in light of that, a live a life worthy of the calling which we've received. Yep. So he has laid the foundation now, or we could even say the groundwork uh, in the first, uh, first three chapters. Now what? So you've been elected before the foundation of the world. You're part of the one new humanity. God has broken down dividing walls of hostility. So now what? And one of the things uh, we said uh, in the first program, Daryl, is that Ephesians doesn't read like 1 Corinthians, where Paul is clearly responding to a laundry list of questions and issues he's heard about. That doesn't mean, though, that Paul wasn't aware of some background issues in Ephesus uh, that he needs to address, because that's the context in which they live, this very cosmopolitan city in Asia Minor. It was a port city in Asia Minor in the area of what today we call modern-day Turkey, but it was kind of a crossroads of life, and that created some challenges. Just like Capernaum in the New Testament, and and I mentioned this in an earlier episode, it's like Las Vegas times 10. Right. It's kind of the world that they were living in as well, the seaport. They got different people coming and going all the time. And so they have these different issues going on, and Paul wants to address that kind of thing because that's not the way that you're supposed to live if you're a believer in Christ. One of my students a while back in a sermon had uh, YOLO, and yeah. I thought, what, what is YOLO? And all the other students knew what it was. Yeah. So after the sermon was done, I said, what's YOLO? And they all said, you only live once. Yeah. So yeah, do what you want, eat too much, drink too much, gamble too much if you're in Las Vegas. Uh, yeah, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And probably the same then. What happens in Ephesus stays in Ephesus. Don't worry about it. Paul says, no, you just can't do that anymore. If you used to live that way, you can't live that way now. If you're tempted to live that way now, you can't go back. And so let's listen to some of what he says here in the fourth chapter, beginning at the 20th verse. He's just been talking about Jesus and and how they learned Jesus. And then he says, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, 
which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we all are members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Don't give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work hard, doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. So it looks like, Scott, we have a new identity. There's this old self that had all of this stuff that he's telling them not to do in it. But then there's this new self that's being renewed in the knowledge and the image of his creator. And so there's a distinction of where we used to be and what we used to do. We can't go that way anymore. We're now we're called to this new self. And this new self is where God is, is actually doing work to show us that he's working and purging the old self out of us. There's a scene in a movie called Moonstruck years ago where uh, an older woman, uh, her husband is away, uh, and she meets a, a younger guy who, who, who wants to suggest that he, he come into her house with her. He walks her home from a restaurant. Uh, he says, you know, why don't we go in the house together? And she says, no, I can't do that. He said, oh, you think somebody's home? She said, no, the house is empty. You can't come in because I know who I am. Uh-huh. You know, she has an identity as a married woman. And Paul says, you got to know who you are. And in Ephesus, uh, that included uh, a lot of things their fellow citizens were doing that they can't, including something that must have been an issue or Paul wouldn't have brought it up, lying and falsehood. They top the list. Paul says, when you speak to your neighbor, speak the truth. It's actually against God's top 10. We know God's 10 commandments. It tells us not to lie. So this is kind of a remix of the 10 commandments. And so we need to be speaking truthfully to our neighbor. Even if we're trying to lie to help people, even when we do quote unquote white lies, that's not really helping anyone. Deception at its root is really something broken. And he also mm. tells us not to let our anger fester because he knows that that can turn into something that might destroy us later. Well, Jesus even says anger is the same as murder. <laughs> if you're angry with your brother, you've, you've, you've kind of murdered him in your heart. Jesus said that in, um, in the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Paul also moves to what he calls unwholesome talk. And we'll see um, in a few minutes that he'll return to this in the next chapter as well. Paul says, look, what comes out of your mouth should build people up, not tear them down. So use your words to build people up. Do you think that includes sarcasm? I was just wondering about that. You wonder, right? I mean, if it's meant to tear somebody down or make them feel stupid, I would say that it would. I mean, you know, there can be fun tongue-in-cheek sarcasm, but, you know, any kind of uh, speech that tears another person down, makes them feel smaller, Paul says, don't do that. Build people up. Build them up. Make them feel better. He also continues to talk about these things. He's talking about bitterness, rage, and anger. You know, these things that are kind of leading to violence in our mm, hearts. And yeah. It's crazy how he's got to tell them not to brawl. Brawling. Like you, you don't have that at your, you know, when you were in church or when you're teaching in class, you don't have, I've got to stop these people from fighting. Like, I, I don't want you to brawl in here. But he, apparently it must have been a problem in Ephesus or he <laughs> wouldn't be bringing it up not to do. Yeah, I can't think of a single sermon where I told people, stop brawling. This didn't seem to be a thing. But it was in Ephesus. So stop living. He even says the one who's 
stealing must steal no longer. It's like there are you still work. Th- there are thieves in the congregation. That's crazy. Basically, though, right. You're a new person. You're a new self. Now act like it. And so he gives all this advice quickly. But as they say on TV advertisements, but wait, there's more. And there is. And we'll look at that next. What does it mean to be a Christian and a fan of movies, music, television, and video games? I'm Josh Larson, editor of thinkchristian.net and host of the Think Christian podcast. I invite you to join us for faith-filled reflections on pop culture. Visit us at thinkchristian.net or search for the Think Christian podcast, where we'll be talking about what it means to be a follower of Christ, even in the playful moments of our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose, and you're listening to Groundwork. Daryl, let's uh, dive right back into Ephesians, and let's go on to Ephesians 5, and uh, let us know what Paul says there. Starting at the first verse, it says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. So those opening words of Ephesians 5, and uh, there can be no doubt, Daryl, that in the ancient world, uh, as today, a whole lot of stuff goes on in the area of sexuality that did not accord with God's gift of sexuality to the human race. That was a concern. And and there's there's an array of bad sexual practices then. There's an array of bad sexual practices now. And so the church historically has talked about that. Sometimes, you know, if you think of the Scarlet Letter, you know, Nathaniel Hawthorne's novel, sometimes the church has been criticized for being obsessed with sex to the exclusion of all else. Probably not fully a fair criticism, but on the other hand, sometimes the church has earned that reputation. But Paul makes it clear this is an area of concern. But it's also interesting to me, Daryl, how quickly he moves other stuff onto the exact same level of concern. So because he clusters it together, I think of grapes because they're all clustered together. Mm-hmm. He, he actually names a whole bunch of different things to put them on the same par as all bad, all problems. But the one that sticks out to me is that he says not even a hint right. of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed. There shouldn't be a hint. That word hint goes to all of these group. Right. It's not just to sexual immorality. So we can't make this hierarchical. We can't make this one thing priority. They're all equally bad. And this isn't the only passage in Paul. There are a number of passages where he has what we sometimes refer to as the vice lists, lists of sins. And greed is always right at the top. And it must have, well, we know it's a problem today. Uh, We'll talk about that before we close the program. But it was obviously a problem then. And when Paul comes back in verse 5 to greed, so he mentions it first in verse 3, but then in verse 5 he comes back and he says, if you're a greedy person, you're guilty of idolatry. Wow. Wow. That's pretty—if you worship money, 
or your possessions or whatever, your bank account. If you worship that alongside of God or instead of God, that's idolatry. That's a false God. And that's a pretty devastating charge. It's really interesting because most people don't think of greed that way. I mean, because we saw the movie Wall Street and this is greed is good. Right. So we're trying to figure out how to gain all these things for ourselves. And but we don't understand that we have now prioritized the things and put our identity, our worth into possessions and things that are created. That's actually breaking God's top 10 as well. He says, no other gods before me. I don't care if they're digital images. I don't care if they're <laughs> currency images. But this means God is jealous of that stuff and there's wrath coming because of it. And this is why we need to make sure that we understand that God needs to be in our top priority in our lives. Exactly. But then Paul loops back again to something we also saw at the end of Ephesians 4, uh, and that's what he here calls foolish talk and coarse joking. Again, that could be joking about sexual matters, so, you know, kind of ties some of this together. But it could equally be talk belittling people with a different skin color or people with a disability or people with a different economic status, people who have a little bit of accent from their speech, right? They're from a different country. Foolish talk and coarse joking, as we said in the previous segment, Daryl, is anything that tears others down with your words instead of building them up. And we all know that the old saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Lies. Lies. Not true. Words can hurt much more than sticks and stones. Uh, but he goes on now, Daryl, to remind them why none of that can be part of their life. So he says in, in verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So in our second program in this series, Daryl, we were in Ephesians 2, and there we noted that Paul used the image of life and death. And Paul says to the Ephesians, once you were dead. You were dead in your transgressions. You were objects of God's wrath, but now you're alive. Now he switches the imagery. Once you were in the dark or you were darkness itself, he actually says, yeah. not only that you were in the dark, you were darkness. Uh, you had no light in you, but now you've been baptized. Wake up, oh sleeper. You know, now you've been baptized and now you, you're a child of the light. So you have to live like a child of the light. Among other things, that means you can't keep trying to slink into the darkness. If you bear the light of Christ, so, you know, Paul says anything that's got the light shining on it is exposed and you can't undo that. And so Paul is now here basically saying, look, you never arrive at a place where nobody can see you. You can't do anything in secret. What happens in Ephesus does not stay in Ephesus. You're in the light. So live like you know God can always see you, Christ can always see you, everybody can always see you, and therefore put your best foot forward all the time. So as we live 
as children of light, we realize that we're not supposed to blend in and disappear. We mm. actually stick out mm. like a sore thumb. In a good way. Um, and in a good way, because God is calling us to let our light shine brightly. That's what he tells us in Matthew. Mm. Shine your light brightly so they can see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So we don't want to hide our light or go back to what we were doing when we were disobedient. He said it's even shameful for them to admit that. And it goes without saying that this has a lot to do with the church today. So as we wrap up this program in a few moments, we'll turn the camera on to ourselves. So stay tuned. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And we're going to wrap up our look at Ephesians 4 and the first part of Ephesians 5. Let's listen to a few final verses for this episode of Groundwork. Verse 15 of chapter 5. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So being filled is the goal. Now, because Paul is talking to these Ephesians and he knows the environment that they're in, it's easy for them to be filled with wine, to be drunk with wine. He knows that that is at their every, like left and right, every at their disposal. But he's saying, instead of that, be filled with the spirit. And I think it's important to compare these two feelings, Scott, because and when people drink too much, they're inebriated. They, they act different. They lose their inhibitions. They might say or do things that they wouldn't do. They're acting out of character. And the spirit, when you're filled with the spirit, you act out of character in a good way because he helps you to have boldness to speak his truth. He actually has you improve the way you behave and you can deal with these things and live as a child of light. Exactly. The spirit in you is going to control you. And, you know, we, we've heard the phrase, you know, he's an angry drunk. There are some people who are not generally angry people, but when they have a few, they get mean. Well, Paul says, don't do that. Have a few of the spirit because it's going to make you nice. No hangovers. It's, no hangovers, no no, no regrets. You, you shine with the light of Christ. So be filled, but be filled with uh, the Holy Spirit. And we said, Daryl, we want to turn the camera onto ourselves now here in the 21st century. And, you know, the church lately has faced some very hard times. And I think it's a sad fact that many of us, a lot of us, uh, have become guilty of the very things that Paul's talking about here in Ephesians 4 and 5. I mean, for instance, uh, we live in a time when social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter, they become havens of slander and malice, right? Yeah. I mean, we've all read posts where somebody quotes only half of what somebody says to make them look bad. If they quoted the whole thing, the person wouldn't look bad, so they only quote half. 
Well, that's twisting someone's words. That's slander, uh, Paul says. And you can't do that. In fact, in recent times, there's been some evidence emerging uh, from maybe some whistleblowers or, or whatever that Facebook has algorithms designed to keep you angry, right? Uh, they program it to keep you angry because that keeps you engaged, and that means it's good for Facebook's business. But it isn't good for you if you want to be filled with the Spirit. So we need to be careful here. And, I, and I've seen so many times where they call it shots fired when mm. people are indirectly implicated in a Facebook post. Mm. I could be talking about you, Scott, but I don't mention your name. But kind of everybody kind of knows what's happening there. So then you see in the feeds now people are adding to this anger, this malice, this what you call slander it's written when it's written. It's libel, really. But it's actually something that children of light are not supposed to be participating in. And this anger and this malice we've seen in many different places over petty things, over small things, over vaccines, over masks, over, you know, different political views. We've seen people split. We've seen churches split over these things. And it's unfortunate that anger and malice are not in a place where we could resolve them, where we could be humble, where we could forgive. The love that Paul just prayed for in chapter 3, it doesn't show up when we're operating in anger and malice. You read it all over the place these days about how the political walls have gotten built so much higher in this country. They used to say, we may have mentioned this before on Groundwork, but they used to say, you know, back in the 70s, if you asked people, would it be okay if one of your kids married somebody from the opposite political party of you? Very few people said that would be a problem. You know, very, very small percentage. Today, it's like 60, 70 percent say no. I would not want my kid to marry a Democrat because we're Republicans in this house or vice versa. Wow. Paul's been all about in this. We've seen this in the previous programs. Christ broke down the dividing walls of hostility. If we bring these high political walls right through the church sanctuary, we're operating across purposes with Jesus, right? We also mentioned uh, here that uh, Paul greed is high on the hit parade. It's idolatry. And you mentioned the movie Wall Street earlier, the Gordon Gecko character. Greed is good. And indeed, we live in a society that depends on greed. In fact, the philosopher James K.A. Smith, Jamie Smith, teaches at Calvin University in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He's written uh, quite a bit lately about how the modern-day shopping mall is our new religious temple. This is where we go to worship the God of material things. And indeed, malls are constructed to make that happen. Unfortunately, the church has become this super center, this one-stop shop where you get mm. all of your needs met. And then at the altar, there's a transactional God. I bring this, you give me that. Like pull the cash, pull the slot register, and then you get what you get. But the relationship with God is missing from that kind mm. of mentality. The consumeristic view of how we consume these things and come back to God, that is exactly the opposite of what we want. And that kind of transactional living and, and this tit for tat, that's the kind of world Ephesians came out of. Right. That's the kind of world that God wants us to not be a part of. And so unfortunately, that kind of mentality has found its way into the church. And we need to achieve goals and we need to keep going, have these materials in order to be recognized, unfortunately. So is there any hope? Well, yes, because Paul, at the beginning of that passage that we just read, Paul calls for the Ephesians to be wise. And that's a gift of the Holy Spirit, Daryl. Wisdom yes. is a major theme in the Bible. And as we've said before on Groundwork, and we've done series on Proverbs and, and the like, wisdom is a knack. 
but it's a, a knack the Holy Spirit can build in us so that we're always discerning, we're always scrutinizing, we're always saying, where does the realm of darkness stop? And where does the, the, the realm of light begin? And right. how can I stay out of it? It's a knack. It's an acquired thing. Uh, we just keep having to learn it. But that is hope. We do have the Holy Spirit, Paul says. So, you know, the questions we have to ask about our behavior in society, in church, at the shopping mall, those weren't easy questions for the Ephesians, but they're not easy for us either. But thanks be to God that we can sing to one another, Paul says, in songs and psalms and spiritual songs. Thanks be to God. Thank you for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork. We hope you'll join us again next time as we study Paul's instructions for Christian families in the second half of Ephesians chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 6. Connect with us now at GroundworkOnline.com to share what Groundwork means to you or to tell us what you'd like to hear discussed next on Groundwork. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit ReframeMinistries.org for more information and to find more resources to encourage your faith. We're your hosts, Scott Jose and Daryl Delaney. Our recording engineer is Dodd Morris, and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacob.